we work because God works. Yes. We create because God creates. Yes. We have dominion because God has dominion. Yes. We're created in the image of God, and this is how we properly and truly reflect his image by working. to the Chinook podcast. We are kind of sitting around a table here with a few Tim Hortons cups sitting on the table and yeah, we're going to start uh, to talk about work. Talk about work. Yeah. Work. A blessing <laughs> or a curse. Or both. <laughs> or both. <laughs> well, the two, so my name is Brad Donovan. I'm an elder here at Christ Covenant Church and uh, I actually am the one of the three of us that does not have a Tim Horton's coffee in front of me. I have uh, this marvelous coffee cup, though. It's got a picture of my favorite poet, William Shakespeare. Ah, oh, yeah. And a, a variety of insults from a variety of Shakespearean plays. No kidding. Inscribed on the outside of the cup. Where did you get a cup like that? Nice. This cup was a Christmas gift given to me by, by my <laughs> sister-in-law. Away, you three-inch fool. I'm reading the side of it. <laughs> yes. The froward, beetle-headed poppinjay. I scorn you, scurvy companion. This is all written on the outside. Um, I wish I had a cup like that. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's it's a lot classier than these Tim Hortons cups. It's it true, and I got so. this as a Christmas gift from my sister-in-law, uh, Zion. Ah, ah, yes, very very nice. You poor base rascally cheating lack linen mate. Wow, that's a great <laughs> insult. <laughs> uh, another one I like on here is you scullion, you rampalion, you fustilarian. Fustilarian? Fustilarian. It, it, oh. Yeah. oh, yeah, it's good. <laughs> oh, just all the insults from Shakespeare on, on this cup. <laughs> so we uh, we have to now pivot from uh, the insults of Shakespeare and coffee to work. <laughs> or, or should we introduce Jamie and me first? Yeah, we should do that, too. Oh, oh. Uh, my, name is ja- <laughs> <laughs> my name is Jamie Souls. Uh, I have been working for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I expect I'll continue. Uh, uh, my work, my predominant work, has been to make Bible story songs. And uh, thousands of people have grown up listening to my Bible story songs and growing in their knowledge and love of God through it. And I'm Nathan Zeckfeld. And as it goes when you're a vocational pastor... You have to do lots of work like landscaping and oil field work and stuff like that in order to, uh, yeah, pay for all that education, right? <laughs> That's true. So, um, yeah, and I, I was just thinking about my Tim Hortons coffee since we started off on that point. I'm really hoping there's no bugs in here because mm. I think Tim Hortons tried to put bugs in their, in their soup. Oh, that's so. very woke of them. Yeah, I know. Mm. So I'm hoping there's no bug protein in this coffee. (laughs) I wonder how you would tell. Anyway, just a just random (laughs) thought that I'm. Well, the coffee I had was was a a nice proper, um, Wapiti Bean Co. Ah, yeah, that's a local uh, (laughs) that's a local coffee shop here in town owned by some uh, fellow believers, and they 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 got some good coffee. It works. (laughs) It works. So today we're talking about work now. Uh, work is first taught to us in the scriptures in Genesis chapter 1. So I'm going to start in Genesis 1, and then we're going to go from there. Are you going to read the whole thing? No, I'm not going to read the whole thing. However, the whole, the whole chapter is, is all about work. <laughs> yeah, it is. Because uh, God begins his work. God begins his work. Yeah, so the first worker in history is God. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, so creation. Creating is work. Now, there's there's a lot of cool stuff going on there, but what we're primarily talking about is man and God's design for man and work. So chapter 1, verse 27. I'm starting in verse 27 <clears throat> for reasons. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. 
And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. So we're talking about the sixth day of creation. Uh, as an aside, if you throw out the first three chapters of Genesis, you've completely tossed out the entire Christian faith. So if you do not believe in a six-day creation, you don't believe in work. <laughs> And if you have, that's a good point. And if you don't believe in a six day creation and you have to go to work on Monday, then you clearly are doing something you don't believe in. Take that. Take that. (laughs) So, (laughs) in in the in the creation mandate, as we call it, God instructs us to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth and subdue it, and to have dominion over everything. So. We are commanded by God to be fruitful and to multiply, to subdue the earth and have dominion over it. What what is being fruitful? Mm. Well, this refers in many ways to having children. It appears to me that that is one of the things that is going on with being fruitful. Yes. And when you have a child, that that is a fruitful act. Mm-hmm. When you have several children, that is a multiplying, that is a multiplying act. act. <laughs> and and ah, thus math. Be <laughs> fruitful and multiply. And thus math was created. <laughs> so if you have two children, you duplicate yourself. If you have more than two children, you, you multiply, multiply yes. and exactly. fill the earth. Exactly. There you go. Now, speaking of work, it's, it's interesting to me that um, when a man has children... He takes work far more seriously because he now has more mouths than his own to feed. Yes. And he has such a helpless, cute little baby to take care of. Oh, yeah. So. Yes. And there's nothing quite like having a uh, helpless, happy baby, well-fed. Yeah. Mm. Mm. <laughs> a well-fed baby. Oh, that's... that's mm. There's something about... there. Uh, it's, it's, it's difficult to explain unless you've experienced it. <laughs> right. So, so it's interesting then that in Genesis 1, 28, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And sub- that's a lot of multiplication. Uh, yes. That, he's, that God intends. Uh, and, and man's being fruitful and multiplying is imaging God. It's imaging what God has done. God has... has multiplied all kinds of things mm-hmm. uh, in the verses leading up to this, yeah, where he has he he spoken and it's come into existence, and and then all of a sudden there's a whole lot of it. Yeah, he like, multiplied like light. He, he didn't, uh, he, like if he, if he started with a tree, yeah. you know, I, and I, I made this tree, but then all of a sudden there's trees. There's trees everywhere. There's trees everywhere. Yeah, he multiplies light. He multiplies water. He multiplies land. Yes, he fills the earth with his, with his creations. Yep. All these different things, God does it, and he says to man, you do it. Yes, and then he tells man to subdue the earth and have dominion over it. So the subjugation of the created order is part of the first command that God gave to mankind. The subjugation... Yes, that, that sounds like a slavery word. That sounds like it a does. Uh, like a uh, a squash down, push down word. Destroy. Well, G- it, give me a better look at it. It, it sounds <laughs> like that because of what happened in Genesis three, right? But we're not going to get to Genesis three quite yet because we have to get to Genesis two. Mm-hmm. Well, so so just a minute as we we think about Genesis one, mm-hmm. we work because God works. Yes. We create because God creates. Yes. We have dominion because God has dominion. Yes. We're created in the image of God, and this is how we properly and truly reflect his image by working. Now, in Genesis 2, this is interesting. Check this out. Uh, Genesis 2, 15. Now, this, we've, we've got in the, uh, in the first part of Genesis 2 is a recapitulation of Genesis 1. In brief, excuse me, I got this cough. Now, 
the Garden of Eden is described in the in the verses uh, between verse ten and twelve, but in fifteen. It says that the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and to keep it. Okay, so this garden that the Lord has made, man is to work in it and to keep it. Now the Lord commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day you eat of it you shall surely die. So there's that command. Right. Then we get to verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heaven and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. Okay, so we've got this situation where God is uh, parading all of the animals, of the animal kingdom, <clears throat> before Adam to see what Adam would name them. And then that name became that animal's name. That's so, a lot of authority that he That is a lot of authority. And that's precisely where I'm where I want to go with this mm-hmm. because you you name that which you have authority over. So I named my son mm-hmm. because I am his father. He did not get to pick his own name. Right. So I have because I am his father that authority. So authority like the the right to name a thing is a claim on authority mm-hmm. or is a recognition of that. So man here is set by God in the garden, naming animals. It is God's design that man name these animals. So man has that authority. So I, I, this is something that perhaps is not spoken of much, but it should, I think, be that God has given man authority over the natural world. Mm-hmm. And again, to subdue and to dominate it. And it's... Right. it's uh, well, well, what's interesting about that example is I think it's a type of scientific authority too. Mm. So it's a very unique uh, type of authority. It's the, it is. Um, especially uh, delving into the realm of uh, biological sciences. Yeah, so whenever we, uh, we name some new species of bug with an incomprehensibly long Latin name... <laughs> We're reflecting the image of God. We are reflecting the image of God and obeying Genesis chapter 2. Okay, so cool. Okay. thus far so good. Now the problem... <laughs> <laughs> the problem. Okay, ju- just yeah. before you get to the problem. Okay, not to the problem. Just before you get to the problem, yes. uh, let's let's consider where the Bible begins and where the Bible ends, mm. because we begin with men in this garden. Man is in the garden. Uh, God has given man everything uh, to subdue it. He's supposed to guard it. He's supposed to keep it. Uh, and we'll learn later on that it's not just, it's not just all the stuff in the garden with, that he's supposed to guard and keep. He's supposed to guard and keep this woman that God gave him. Mm-hmm. Okay? And that's, that's where the fall happened in his failure to do this. But it, we go from this garden with all this raw material and at the end, we find a city. In the end of Revelation, we find a city. Yes. <clears throat> and that city is very garden-like. Yep. It's very garden-like, but it's no longer, it's no longer a wild. It's it is a, a cultivated. It, everything has been cultivated. Everything has been tamed. Yes. And it's a city, and it's, and it's beautiful. So, so the whole sweep of where... Uh, of where God intends his world to go is this movement from garden to city. Okay? Yep. And that is that, very that's important. That's the grand scheme. Yeah, and that's, that's the grammar that we speak when, we, when we're speaking of work in, in Christ and in, mm. in the world. Yeah, the Bible doesn't glorify wilderness in the way that modern man does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is true. Right. No, men, uh, men glorify wilderness because they, they've, got this, they've got this inherent knowledge that something has gone wrong and that we need to get back. You know, there's that Joni Mitchell song, I think it was. Yeah. You know, we are, we are stardust. Yeah, we, we are golden. <laughs> we, yeah. yeah, and we have got to get ourselves back <laughs> to the garden. Got to get ourselves <laughs> back to the garden. Yeah. You know, that, that's a deep human longing that she expressed there. That's it why is, it, yeah. That's why it 
resonated so well yep. with that generation. It's, it's a deep human longing. That's why I can remember the lyric to the song. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and but then, it, it's not it's not going back mm. that's going to uh, to be our salvation. It's going forward in Christ. Yeah. And then as you're standing out in the wilderness, imagining the pristine nature of the garden, all of a sudden a lion runs out and <laughs> devours <laughs> a deer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, uh, and, th- and that comes to the, the problem. <laughs> yes. The fall, as you said, yeah. Adam's fall was a failure to defend his wife in yeah. this garden that he was also to defend and keep. And that's in Genesis chapter three. Now, uh, w- we know the story. So the, uh, the serpent came and tempted Eve, and she went along with it, and then Adam went along with that. And then what the Lord... Schmuck. Yeah, what a schmuck. <laughs> and then the, uh, <laughs> then the Lord comes to him and he says, hey, what'd you do? And Adam was like, it was the woman. <laughs> Great, blame your wife. Way to throw her under the... There was no bus. There yeah, was he, no bus. But he threw, but her, he threw her, uh, her under whatever was going to become a bus. Yeah, yeah he <laughs> threw her under the bus anyway. He just doubled the schmuck. Yeah. So then she turns around and she's like, it was the snake. And it's interesting to me, the, uh, the Lord goes to the serpent next. He's like, mm, okay. He doesn't ask the serpent anything. No, he just curses the serpent. Yes. You know. Um, so now, then he goes to the woman and he says, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. So the fruitful and multiply includes the bearing of children, especially the bearing of children. Now the woman will have great pain and trouble in childbearing, and this is true. So, so do you think childbearing is harder work than working at a frack pump? Uh, I will argue the point with my wife. Okay. But the right. <laughs> <laughs> so, and and this is this is something that's borne out in in our own everyday experience. Uh, anybody that's ever had a miscarriage, uh, or anyone who's uh, like my wife, our first child. I think my wife was in labor for fifty three hours. Right, so there was great pain in childbearing. Yeah. So this this is borne out also in human experience. And then the next statement, your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. So you've got the uh, the gender wars, as it were. Uh, A wife seeking to supplant her husband's authority and a husband being a domineering tyrant. So this would be a a false image of domination and rule that God gave to man. Right. God did not give man uh, domination so that man could be a tyrant, but now man will be a tyrant. And he did not give woman so that she could usurp her husband, yet here we are. Yeah, yeah. he gave, uh, he gave to the man this, um, th- this task of ruling over and not not tyranting over, but ruling over as God does. God's not a tyrant, mm-hmm. but he rules. He, he gave that to, to man, and man's sinful response to that is to say, I don't want to rule, I don't want to lead. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he gave to woman this, uh, this requirement that she be a helper that she helped this man. She's not to lead. She's to help. She's to compliment. Mm-hmm. But her inclination is to lead. And that, that's, that's where th- that creates all manner of troubles. All manner of difficulties. Right? Yes. So, <laughs> so he's given the command to lead, and he wants to abdicate. She's given the command to follow, and she wants to lead. And thus you have every sitcom in the 90s. <laughs> so the stay-at-home dad and the working wife mm-hmm. is a confusion of the nature order. In, in the, many ways. Sorry, yeah, in many the, ways. The, the wife who's working out in the industries and yeah. providing for the family in that sense of work. And also if, if a, uh, like in the home, for example, a man should be reading the scriptures with his children and praying with them, and a, a mother should do the same. But if, uh, if the man's at home and the wife does all the spiritual things, and the man just sits on the couch and he drinks beer and watches hockey. Well, you have now an abdication and a confusion. Yeah. So, like, there's so many ways that little verse can be can be uh, expressed <laughs> in sinful living. Right. Now, to Adam, he says, 
Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So the work that Adam had been commanded to do, to husband and to guard, to keep, to to dominate, to nurture, uh, to be multiplying in fruitfulness, all of this is now cursed. It's painful. Thorns and thistles instead of, you know, good good plants. Uh, try to eat a thorn. Just try it. And uh, you will not forget the, uh, the occasion. <laughs> uh, and by the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread until you die. You know, life is rough, and if a man's going to make it, he's got to be tough, right? Yeah. <laughs> He's, he's going to have to be there to help you along. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. So the, uh, the work now is still commanded. Notice that God doesn't rescind the command to work. He does not yeah. rescind the command to multiply and be fruitful. He does not rescind the, uh, the ordinance that man govern and, and have dominion over creation. But what he says is it's going to be cursed. It's going to be painful. It's going to be thorns and thistles. It's going to be sweat. It's going to be, it's going to be hard. Blood, sweat, and tears. Exactly. And it's very interesting that in the very next verse, the statement is made, the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. So man had named all the beasts and animals, and now he names his wife. So man still has that God-given authority to, over creation to name He's still commanded to work. He's still commanded to keep and protect. But now it's just... It's, it's just going to be difficult. a lot harder. It's going to be a lot harder. So that's where we're at right now. Now, the, the, the next question is, what did the cross do to work? Because we've got this situation where Adam is under a curse. And we... We encounter this every day. Like income tax is a thorn, right? It's a huge thorn. It is. It is. I, is. I, 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 I paid 35 or 36% of my, no, more than that. Maybe it was 36% of my wage this year in, in, in direct income tax. That, that's a government-imposed thorn more than a... Uh, well, I mean, the, well, the, the way the government acts is a result of the curse, but... Yes, it is. Anyway. And, and no government should ever tax uh, a man more of his income than the Lord does. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Uh, the I Lord agree. takes 10%. And any government that takes three times that is... It's pretending to be the Lord. It's pretending to be God, yeah. <laughs> so, But, um, yeah, so there's also, uh, like, br your tools break. Uh, your your car breaks down. Uh, you know your sump pump on your sewer. While breaks. you're building a barn, you hit a hammer into your fingernail. Yeah, and that hurts. You 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 smack yourself in the hand with a hammer. You run over your buddy's foot with your loader. You throw your back out while you're walking across a lease. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah. Like there's there's all these these frustrations and these these hindrances, uh, these things that get in the way. Uh, this is why old men are cranky. Okay, if you ever wonder why your dad was an old, miserable crank, you're like, why? Well, wait until you're in your 40s, and you're going to be an old, miserable crank, too. So, well, not necessarily. <laughs> well, yeah, not necessarily. I'm, I'm 37, and... Uh, and you're already an old, I'm miserable already, crank. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's been practicing miserable crankery. Yes. I, I'm, I'm far older. I'm far older and more miserable than my years. <laughs> I remember when I was a teenager, and my dad uh, was, was telling me... Um, you know, you're going to go out into the workforce. You're going to have a job and, uh, and work. Just beware of, of old, angry, bitter men. And I, was, I remember thinking to myself, why, why are these men so angry and bitter? And then you get out there and uh, you're getting yelled at by a consultant. Your uh, equipment's breaking down. Coworkers have let you down. Suppliers don't deliver their product on time. All these aggravations. People aren't nice. Life isn't fair. Yep. Oh, yeah. It's just the way it is. So what happens in the, uh, in the new order, in the new creation? The, 
because we're we're after the cross, we're after the resurrection of Christ, right? And yet we're still experiencing these curses. So I find it interesting. I'm going to jump way ahead to Romans. I think it's Romans. Yeah, Romans eight. Well, Paul says something interesting. Uh, let me find Romans eight. Oh, that's seven. I like that old analog uh, page flipping. Yeah, thing this old analog thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's good to have a hard hard cover or hard copy. Yeah, and I write in my Bible a lot. Like I got uh, I got this. Um, it's an ESV, um, but it's got uh, the um, wide margins. Wide margins with nothing in them. So I, I have to make my own cross reference table, which is a, is a practice I commend to you, dear listener. Make your own Bible cross reference. That's good. Yeah, because uh, you're uh, gaining competence in the Word by handling it constantly back and forth through Old and New Testament. Now, anyway, Romans 8, going back to work. Uh, verse 20. Now, Paul, in this in this section of Romans, he's talking about uh, suffering. <laughs> so now we're talking about work. Let's talk about right. suffering. And he talks about in verse 24, the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we, eager, as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Okay, so Paul is saying that the whole of creation is subjected unwillingly to futility in Adam's sin. And it's longing for the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So there's something about creation in the redemption of Christ's church. There's something there. Okay. Now, I, I take Paul to mean the, um, the in the new creation, new heavens, new earth, that that's the final consummation of that hope for creation. Okay. So, and I, like, I don't believe that in the resurrection we will be without work. I think we'll still be working. It's just without the, the curse. Right. Without the futility. Yes. Without the groaning of, of creation. So, but all of God's creation is subjected, in a sense, to futility, to this uh, entropy, to this constant... This breaking down. Breaking down of... Things. Mm -hmm. Ecclesiastes. Mm, yeah. Always grasping after wind. Yes. Sometimes work feels like that. Uh, sometimes. Most times. I uh, <laughs> <laughs> Proverbs is a great book for a young man who's starting his work. Ecclesiastes is a great book for a man who's been at it for a couple of decades. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing is with Ecclesiastes is that... Um, I, I think reading Ecclesiastes, especially when I was 16, 17, 18, mm -hmm. really helped me to appreciate the whole world of work a lot more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that's the effect Ecclesiastes is supposed to have. Yes. Yeah. Because the, the writer of Ecclesiastes uh, comes to conclusions as he's going along. He sees all these things that seem so questionable. And then his conclusion is <clears throat> that, uh, that, well, what you the the really great thing is that a man enjoys his labor. Yes, that he has in the world. That that that's the really good thing. There is nothing better, nothing better. than that a man enjoy his labor, <laughs> in which he toils underneath the heat of the sun, <laughs> and love the wife of his youth that God has given him, yes. and love her even into his old age. There is nothing better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. Bread is made. For laughter and wine gladdens life and money answers everything. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah, so there's Ecclesiastes. Oh, yes. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Mm. I love it. So, the, the uh, yeah, Proverbs is a great book for a young man. Ecclesiastes. Mm. That's, well, my, that's my current jam. I, I feel like Ecclesiastes <laughs> is like going out to have a beer with a man in his 60s or 70s. Yes. And he sits down with his beer and he says, all right, young man, I'm going to teach you the ways of this world. Yes. <laughs> and actually, that's, that's, an important, that's an important thing to consider in work. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that 
older men in the church should take upon themselves to do is to sit down the young men and, and to talk about uh, how does a man, a Christian man work? Uh, what kind of, how do you temper expectation uh, versus reality, right? Uh, you go into the workforce and what, what, what expectation are you coming in with? What's, what's actually going, what's the reality of the work? Uh, what's the reality of your expectation of reward for your work, right? When you come into the workforce, uh, you have no skills, you have no experience, and you have no clue. And it's obvious. Like, I can spot a new guy on a well site instantly. I, I, by the way he walks across location, I can tell that he's new. <laughs> like, I don't, it's, it's the easiest thing in the world to see somebody that knows what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, when you come into the workforce, you have no idea what you're doing. You don't have any skill. You have zero competency. You have to learn absolutely everything. So then maybe temper your wage expectations accordingly, right? Mm. If, if you're going to work for a, some company and you have no competency, no skill, no ability, no proven track record, slow down, son. You're not going to make a million bucks an hour. You're going to make less. You need to learn. <laughs> well, and, and I think that's connected to a young man's desire for respect. Mm-hmm. He walks onto a site and he wants to be respected right away. Yes. But the thing is, in the world of men, you have to earn respect as, as time goes on. Yes. And so it's not like you're, you're disrespected just because you're new. It's just you're mm. new. Well, in my line of work, you often are disrespected. Yeah, that's true, yeah. <laughs> now, now, <laughs> yeah. To be clear for the listener, I work in, uh, in fracking. So uh, it's basically uh, the, the, fi- <laughs> the final frontier, the, the last wild west. I, I, I still bear hard feelings again, against Brad for the way he disrespected <laughs> me when I worked in oil and gas. <laughs> okay, so uh, let me tell a story. I okay. guess we'll have to hash it out here on a podcast. Yeah, we'll, we'll hash it out here. Yeah, yeah. tell me about your hurt feelings. Yeah. No, we, we have this thing in the oil patch called a hurt feelings report and um, it's got the section for um, the girl and it says on, on, on the hurt feelings report uh, the girly man whose feelings are hurt, and then you put your name down. The manly man who hurt the girly man's feelings, put your name down. Yeah. <laughs> and then what? Then you got a checklist of which insults were given, and yeah. I, I think I've also seen the one where there's like a flow chart of the hurt feelings. Ah, yes. Well, he did this to me, or he did, or I, I forget exactly how it goes. Yeah, there, there, it, there was a chart one as well. There's so many fun. Uh, fun things that float around the oil oil industry. (laughs) We're just making fun of the HR department. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, so the, um, a young man, like men, we do crave respect and we should. Uh, Respect is a thing. uh, It's a, it's a currency that we, we trade in. Uh, But respect. It's something that God wants us to pursue. Yes. In in the right sense of the word. Yeah, absolutely. Um, The uh, respect, honor, dignity, these are things that we we are made by God uh, to pursue. And honor is another honor and glory. There's a certain um, honor that is afforded to a man who is competent and skilled in his work. Right. So you'll see this um, in Proverbs 22. So if we go there in my in my analog Bible, mm-hmm. this is something that when I was younger, I, I memorized this. Because uh, I, I realized this was something I needed to aspire to. Proverbs twenty two twenty nine says, Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. Like that, that's... Such mm, a great line. I love it. it. Is. Yes. So, and that can apply to anybody in any type of work. Yeah. So if you see a skilled carpenter, uh, let's say he's framing a house, it's square, it's true, it's sturdy... Uh, you see a uh, skillful musician playing the piano or a guitar. You've got this performance of art that's this beautiful, glorious thing. You've got a, a man skillful in driving a truck, and he will be between the yellow and the, uh, the white lines mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. highway at all times and not drifting into other lanes. That drives me nuts. <laughs> like <laughs> if you think about it like it's pretty cool like you mm. think about the kind of contracts different companies can get and yep. if you're a company that's really really good at what you do mm. um for example um 
let's say you're a company that gets the contract to do all the flowers on Parliament Hill. Yeah. Like, that's a pretty high honor position in a sense of the word, just yeah. because of where it's placed. Where it is, and, yeah. And, yeah, anyway. And, and you can charge more for good work. Yeah. Uh, this this is something that, uh, like, the, the, the company I work for, Tricam Well Services, we charge more for fracking than most of our competitors, and we're busier than our competitors because people know that they're getting what they pay for. We produce good work. Yeah. So, uh, and this is this is something, uh, competence, growing in competence is not, uh, it's not easy. It's something that takes time. And so a young man coming into the workforce, uh, now this, whether this is working for someone else, like, like I do in a job, or being self-employed, growing in competence requires time. It requires uh, a certain dedication, a lot of energy. You, you have to think about it. You have to carefully consider the the minutia, like the small details of your right. job. So uh, in what I do, for example, things that I don't even think about, like valve orientation. Right? I run a blender, so I get water coming in, water going out. I, I, I'm bringing in sand and chemical into this unit, mixing it all up, and then pumping it to frack pumps. Things I don't even think about, like my valve orientation, because it's instinctive. Mm-hmm. Right? I need these valves open, these valves shut, or else this goes horribly wrong. Right. <laughs> at, at very quickly, too. Uh, <laughs> now, when you first look at that piece of equipment, it gets overwhelming because it's so complicated. Mm-hmm. But you gain in competency over time and constant repeated exposure to these things. Like a carpenter, for example... His, his square, his framing square, that tool, like you, can, you can do a 90-degree angle on that. You can do a 45. You can do these crazy pitches, like, for roof cutting. Mm-hmm. Now, you, when you first see the square, you look, you look, you look at it, you look at it, and you're like, I don't know what all these marks mean. <laughs> but all, every little mark refers to something. It means something. It's either a pitch or it's an angle, or it's something <laughs> that a carpenter who's, who's competent and skilled, he looks at that and instinctively just does it. Yeah, I, I remember working in, uh, in construction. Mm. I, I, I'm a musician. I've made, made a living with my guitar for the last 27 or 28 years. It's been quite a long while. Uh, but I've always had to supplement it. Well, for many years, I had to supplement it with with uh, working in carpentry or something along those lines. And I, <clears throat> I, I learned in those days that God really does gift certain people with mm-hmm. certain skills because uh, carpentry was to me new every morning. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I just couldn't get it. Yeah. I couldn't get it. I... I know how to write a song. Right. But man, I don't know how to use a square. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is that with... with <laughs> Try as I might. With songwriting or playing a guitar, like there's certain certain aspects of it that are just unconsciously competent right. because you've been doing it so long and you right. put so much energy. Like, like when you make a transition from one chord to another, your fingers are just doing that. Yes. You're not like, yeah, well, They just do it. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to remember the angles or yeah. anything like that. I just... You do, do it. it because my hand knows that. Yeah, and then and then you're going to take that chord and move it from one position to another <clears throat> for a different sound, and your hand does it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me, I'm sitting there like, huh, I need to diagram that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> could, could you write that down for me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you become good enough at something that it's a reflex. Yeah, and and those trained reflexes. That's when when Proverbs 22 is talking about skill. It's talking about trained reflexes. And, and this, this, this competency and competency and confidence, they go hand in hand, but they take time. But that's what a man should be aiming at in his work. To, okay. To so, competent. so a man should be aiming at becoming good at what he does. And why should he be aiming at that? It's because, because God made that man to work. And though there's a, though there is a way that we can look at work uh, and look at our labors like the man in Ecclesiastes 
who says, you know, everything's vanity and it's all chasing after the wind. Right. There, there is a way in which that is so, but there's another way in which God is intending to move this world from a garden to a city. Mm-hmm. And that takes, that takes your work. Yep. It takes you settling in to doing the work that God has given you and to pursue competence in that work. Mm-hmm. That, that's how God moves things forward in the world, yep. is by, by you uh, bowing the knee to him and saying, uh, well, yes, this, this work, this, this thing that you have given me to do, I want to learn how to do it well and to do it to your glory. Mm-hmm. And God takes those kind of efforts and he builds his kingdom with yep. it and he builds <clears throat> he advances his project in it which is very cool yes you know we've got uh you know if, if my work seems meaningless to me mm-hmm. it's really really helpful to have long-term vision of this that god is using even my feeble little inputs yeah and he's using that which is submitted to him and that that is seeking to honor him, and he uses that to to build this beautiful thing. Yeah, and like part of the the building of the church is the building of the actual church. <laughs> it's not merely that we the people are the temple of God, but we also have well, you know, physical needs. Yes, and we have place, places we need to meet. We, we have places we need to meet. We have, uh, we have the hungry to feed. We have the poor to clothe. Uh, we have uh, other works of uh, ministry and charity. We've got all these things that we have to do. Uh, there's also the biblical command not to muzzle the ox at the threshing floor. Right. And so we, have to, we should try to pay our minister. There's that. You can't do that without money, by the way. Right. Um, <laughs> just saying. Yes. There, there's a good uh, there's a good apologetic for why men should seek to make some good money. Yes, so you can pay. So no, so that you can pay into the work of the church. Um, well, it's interesting. What I heard recently on uh, from a speaker from American American Vision is that the okay. place? Yeah. Anyway, he was saying on there that um, one of the reasons why he believes that the gospel has not advanced as extensively as it has throughout the world is because for 2,000 years, the church has not been faithfully giving their 10% to God. Mm. If the church had been faithfully giving their 10% to God over the course of the last 2,000 years, um, we would have been able to build much bigger institutions. We would have been able to hire a lot more pastors, train a lot more young men in Mm. ministry, um, because all of that needs money in order to To do it. Push it on forward. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Napoleon once said that an army marches on its stomach. And the same is true for the kingdom of God. Like we need resources in order to do things. Now, all the all of creation is given to us in Christ. Um, it's all ours. We have authority over it all. But the actual taking of dominion, like the nuts and bolts of it, requires cash. Yeah, it's just a plain fact. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's something I've noticed. Um, that you don't need very many faithful men in a church to support a minister, for example. Usually it's about 10. If you've got 10 men tithing, I think is the number, you should be able to support a full-time minister. Now, you'll have churches where you have 300 or 400 people, and you've got probably 80, 90 households, and barely able to afford a minister. Mm -hmm. And I look at that and I think to myself, something is wrong here. Uh, one of the things uh, when I was first married that grieved me, like deeply grieved me about my financial situation was that I was not making enough money to give when, when, when the uh, collection bag came around in church. Like it, it, it grieved me. I was actually angry. So I went out and I got another job. <laughs> I went and made more money. Um, this is something that, uh, that men should consider when... When we're talking about money, when we're talking about work, and how we have all this, uh, we have this this gift of creation God has given us, and this authority to have dominion over it and to exercise rule in His prescribed manner. 
one of the things that we should be thinking about in the forefront of our minds is how can my uh, collection of resources, whether money or, or other resources, even skills, how can all of this be used for the, uh, the glory of Christ's church? Because the church is Christ's body here on earth. So if I, if I long for the worship of God to increase, if I long for the church to grow and to fill the whole earth, if I want people to come to the Lord, well, why would I refuse to glorify the church with my material wealth? I think it's a great disgrace that men in the church are not giving to the church. Mm-hmm. So... That's uh, and in our congregation, one of one of the reasons why I think we punch well above our weight is because we have more men who give. It's one of the reasons. Yeah, we yeah. Have, our men are invested in in this, and uh, they put their money where their mouth is. We want to see the kingdom grow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So so there is something there to consider. I think that uh, I, th- I think that especially young men uh, who are coming into a position where they now need to, to work to support themselves because they've left the home. Uh, they're maybe pursuing a woman for marriage uh, or they've got a wife and they've got young children. Something for you to consider is the increase of your material substance. Ought in, it ought be turned also towards the glorification of Christ's church. So consider that. Um, now, another thing that I, uh, I would like to refer to mm-hmm. is laziness, which is the opposite of working hard, <laughs> which is the opposite of working well and competently. Uh, also in Proverbs 22, the sluggard says, there is a lion outside, I shall be killed in the streets. <laughs> so a lazy man, his ambition is ruined by uh, false fear. <laughs> I, I can't do that. Ugh. Uh, another one is about the uh, the sluggard on his bed turning like a door on its hinges, mm-hmm. you know, wink, wink. <laughs> yeah. squeaking, <laughs> squeaking like a door on its hinges. Uh, I love uh, I love those passages. Or the or the verse about the man placing his hand in the bowl and oh. not being able to return it to his mouth. Yes, he's he's, he's so exhausted oh. from doing nothing that he can't even eat. <laughs> now, so we have this problem. Uh, and uh, clearly it's not a new problem because Solomon's writing about it 3,000 years ago. But uh, laziness. So what, what do you say to a man who's lazy? Thessalonians, if a man shall not work, then neither shall he eat. Ooh, yes. So the, um, there, there's a certain type of laziness, I think, to which we are prone these days uh, that is a little bit different than perhaps in Solomon's day, but it, it's similar. We've got uh, we've got the television, and we've got the video game, and we've got uh, a variety of uh, pleasurable distractions. Our cell phones, cell phones. Right, I can be on uh, I can be on Facebook twenty four seven if I wanted. I mean, ugh, what a horrible life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't want that. Um, but uh, we have we have a uh, an entertainment culture that is. I think, in some regards... Now, I'm not saying that all video game playing is sin or all hockey game watching is sin. I'm not saying that. But our entertainments can be a thing pursued in such a way so it's an expression of laziness and destroys the fruitful dominion productivity that God's called us to. Okay. So... If I if I work, I uh, and my goal of my work is so that I can spend it on my pleasures. I mm-hmm. uh, maybe I need a reorientation mm-hmm. of yeah. my goals. Uh, Jesus said to seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be added unto you. Yeah. There's uh, there are. Uh, he wants us to pursue the kingdom of God, and he wants us to do it with everything. He wants us to do it with our finances. He wants us to do it with our with our labors. Mm-hmm. I remember talking to an older guy when I was like 18 or 19 years old, 
and this guy was about 25. He had just hit a major milestone. I think he got his <laughs> his ticket for whatever industry he was working in. Right. And he he told me with a sigh of relief, he said, I get to retire in 30 years. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I don't want that to be my attitude to my next 30 years of work. <laughs> yeah. I'm, just, I'm just working for retirement. Yeah. Everybody's working for the weekend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good song. Yeah. No, the, um, yeah. yeah, that that's a, that's a foreign concept to me. Like, I recognize it because I know guys that have that attitude. But to me, that seems foreign. Yeah. Like, how could I ever stop working? It seems to me that God cr- commanded it in Genesis 1. Right. Well, yeah, and the, and the way I think about it is in the Westminster Catechism, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Yep. Well, if I'm spending 40 hours a week not enjoying what I'm doing, Why then, am I, I, then am I glorifying God and enjoying him forever? No, right. not really. Yeah. I'm actually being disobedient to the very purpose of my human existence. <laughs> yeah. Why would you, why mm. would you pursue? Yeah. Your 40 hour work week in, and just be dedicated to misery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, well, and, and I realize <laughs> even people who enjoy their 40 hour work week probably have an hour or two here and there where they're like, Oh, this sucks Yep. or, or whatever. Right. Yep. But it's sometimes it's kind of an attitude you have to get over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to, you have to overcome you know, the, the thorns, the thistles. Right. Yeah. 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 It's still affected by the curse, even if we're trying to glorify God. Yeah. Yes. Uh, something that needs to be, uh, needs to be discussed, I think, is uh, the distinction between a job, mm. getting a job, yes. and having work. See, it's often the case yeah, where there's, like, there, there's always work to do. There's always work to do for the sake of the glory of God. There's always, always something that can be done. Yep. It doesn't always pay. This is true. Okay. <clears throat> but uh, when we're raising up our boys and we're raising them to try and uh, try and advance the cause of the kingdom of Christ, we want to teach them that there there is work to do. Mm-hmm. And what God uh, wants for you to do is to work for his kingdom and for his glory. That doesn't necessarily mean that you are going to do a job. It does mean that you are going to set your hand to see a need and meet it. Yep. That's something to do. That's work. And that's what my parents taught me is that volunteer work is good work Mm. and that there's... um, I think in the the modern day, I think volunteer work has fallen on hard times because <laughs> everybody wants to make a killing. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, there's nothing wrong with making lots of money. No. No. But no, the the main the main thing is are you are you working as you said for the glory of God or not? Right. This yeah. is the dividing line. Yeah. So not and yeah, not all work is a job, and not all job. Not all jobs are equal either. Uh, there's certainly um, an attitude of, well, I just did my job. That's, you know, that's my nine to five. Right. And then, you know, I got my leisure time or whatever, right? Right. This is me time. Yeah, me time. Yeah. Yes. Where, whereas if, if you look at work as, as an aspect of your divine worship, mm-hmm. um, th- then... And, and you look at it in terms of your mission, now all of a sudden you can enjoy a difficult job. Mm-hmm. Right? Like the job I work, it can be very difficult. If it's 40 below and you're trying to pump water, I'm just, I'm telling you right now, that can be a very difficult day <laughs> mm-hmm. or night. If you're working at night, night shift, oof, brutal. But it's risky too. Yeah, it's very risky. I mean, you've got high pressures, harsh chemical, you've got rotating yep. equipment, moving parts. Lose all your fingers from frostbite if you're not careful. You got frostbite. You, oh, yeah, frostbite. <laughs> now, if you want to talk about a curse, talk about cold weather. Ugh, I, I voted for global warming every time it came on on the ballot. See, uh, see, the thing is, like, <laughs> Brad works in Grand Prairie mm-hmm. out in the colds. That's, 
I, I feel like it's a lot more cursed than if you were working in like Florida or something. Yeah, it, yeah absolutely. We're, we're <laughs> somewhere north of the 56th parallel. Yeah. Uh, and far inland from the sea, so uh, mm-hmm. it can get pretty cold. You can. The cold, mm-hmm. the coldest yeah. weather I've ever worked in was minus 56 Celsius. Mm-hmm. That was cold. That was cold. But I think the Dominion <laughs> mandate demands that Christians think, okay, well, how can we tame the North? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. The, uh, how, do we do, how do we do that? If it's really yeah. the case that, uh, as the prophet said, that the earth will one day be as full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's pretty comprehensive coverage. Well, there's a <laughs> there's a whole lot of the earth where there isn't anybody. Yeah, including because here. nobody can live there. I mean, think about a ninety percent of Canada mm-hmm. is granite and water, yeah, and muskeg. Like, there's lots and lots of it that isn't even accessible mm-hmm. to men. Well, maybe what we should be doing. And what we should be looking for is for for God to raise up some some bright entrepreneurial fellow who can figure out how to make an, a sustainable good living mm-hmm. of off that. of off of that yeah. for millions of people. Well, and that's the oil and gas industry. Uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> the oil and gas industry is laying the foundation for that sort of thing. I e- agree exactly. Like, and that's that's one thing where like meaningful work matters, right? So, mm-hmm. it's very easy to look for me to look at oil and gas work and say this is clearly uh, for the building of the kingdom of Christ because we're producing energy and everything requires it. Yeah. So, the gasoline in your car, the natural gas in your furnace, your hot water tank. Um, the rubber on your on the soles of your shoe, mm-hmm. uh, the plastic containers that you put your food in in the fridge, yeah, Vaseline uh, that you put on your lips when they crack. Yeah, the va- <laughs> Vaseline is is a, a petroleum product. It comes right out of the well. Um, yeah, there's all sorts of like millions of things that like. If, so it's easy for me to look at oil and gas and be like, this is clearly kingdom work. Right now, the left is trying to villainize my work because they hate God. Yeah. So there's that. that. that, That's the deep issue. That's the deep issue. Now there's, it's, it's harder for some, uh, for some people to, to look at their work and say, you know, I'm really doing something that's good for the kingdom. Uh, but I think that's because they're not looking at their job with faith. Right. So, I mean, if, if you're, if you're, uh, flipping burgers at McDonald's, that may not look like great glorious work, but, Still, it's something. Um, you might be an entrepreneur with uh, with a business plan, and maybe it just hasn't taken off. You know, you're just struggling. You're struggling to 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 get your business going. It doesn't look glorious, but still, it is. Uh, and it is. It's all all of those little things. The accumulation of those things. It's glory. You might be working for Scotia Bank, and mm. you're a Christian. And you're trying to figure out how to deal with all the wokeness. <laughs> and yet God has placed you there for a reason. He's placed you there for his glory. And Yep. And never be afraid to, to uh, plunder the Egyptians. No. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> Let the reader hear it. <clears throat> you know, when, when God was dealing with Israel in the Old Covenant, uh, he, he would put... Uh, his blessing would fall in terms of rain and in terms of of good crops, things mm-hmm. happening at the right time. <clears throat> if you walk in obedience with me, Israel, that's going to happen. If you walk in disobedience with me, those things are going to go haywire. Yep. Okay. You suppose God still has that attitude? You know, if Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, yes. then is the, is the physical blessing of a land dependent on the faithfulness of the people in it? I believe so. I, I, I would believe so as well, and I think you could argue from a book like Revelation that the Deuteronomic curses 
are still poured out upon disobedience and unbelief in the New Testament times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Revelation yep. uses a lot of that imagery. Mm-hmm. And Which is fascinating. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating because it gives me hope for 90% of the Canadian landscape. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it does. Uh, if if uh, you could... Uh, I mean, right now, right now, I don't think we're anywhere near the end of history. I think we're pretty early in it. Yeah. Uh, there is, uh, even now, there's arable land <clears throat> in Alberta that runs alongside the east side of the Rockies. There's arable land that runs right up into the into the Yukon, but hardly anybody's in it. Yes. Hardly yeah. anybody's in it because... Uh, we're still developing the technologies that are going to enable us to yep. to uh, uh, subdue those parts of the world. Yeah, and, and it takes time. It, it takes does. it takes time, and it takes labor, and it takes innovation, and it takes uh, it takes capital. Yep, and uh, all that has to be accumulated all, over generations. All that has to be accumulated and developed, yep. and set in the right direction. Mm-hmm. In order for that to happen, and, and I do think that will happen yep. eventually, if the earth really is going to be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Yep, absolutely. There's tons of untapped resources There's in the Rockies, so in oh. the Northwest Territories, yeah. and Yukon, and the Northwest Territories in Yukon are bigger than most countries yeah. in the world. Northwest Territories by <laughs> itself, before they divided off into Nunavut and Northwest Territories, that whole area was over a million square miles of land. Yeah. Yep. Lots and lots and lots of land and 40,000 people. It's, it's faster <laughs> yeah. to drive across yeah. the Netherlands than to drive between here and Edmonton. Yeah. So think about that in, in terms of <laughs> yeah. how big this yes. country is. Well, I, yeah, I've been, uh, I've been listening to a History of England podcast lately, right? Yeah. And one of the f- striking things about it is all of this history from Alfred the Great and I'm just to the end of the Wars of the Roses, right? Mm-hmm. All of that history took place in a in a plot of land you could fit between Calgary and Edmonton. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah isn't yeah. that something? Yeah. Like that's the the far northern tip of Scotland all the way down into Somerset. Yeah. Is between Calgary and Edmonton. Yeah. And maybe <laughs> yeah, from high, Highway 2 to Rocky Mountain House. Yes. In width. <clears throat> so uh, Canada is a rather huge country. Humongous. You know, that would, uh, you could fit three Englands between here and Fort Nelson. Yeah. <laughs> when, when you think about it. Yeah. And yeah. there's three. <clears throat> and Fort Nelson isn't anywhere near the uh, the North Coast. No, nowhere you near. You know, I, I've, I've <laughs> uh, in, in my explorations of Google Maps, Mm. which I quite enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. I, I remember tracking out how long it would take for me here in northern Alberta, where, where I live. Uh, it would take me 40, I think it was 42 hours yep. to drive to New York City, mm-hmm. I think, yep. from here. That sounds about and right. And it would take me 41 hours to drive to the north coast of Canada. Yeah. It would. And about half of that travel... There's only one road. Yeah, there's only one road. <laughs> and it goes down to Mackenzie. Well, it goes... Uh, you go up north of... Uh, up to Dawson City, and then yeah. you take the... Uh, the... What's it called? What trail? Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it that, go- that road, up to Inuvik. Yeah. Uh, but then half of that's on gravel. Yeah, all of it's on gravel from Dawson from City From Dawson up. City, yeah. Wow. So... The uh, w- w- there's so much natural resources. There's so much work. Yes. Yeah. So much potential work there that uh, you know it it'll come. But it's um, it's one of the uh, one of the glories I think of of being a man is work. It's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It's a glorious thing. It's just that on this side of the the resurrection and on this side of the the end of all things, it's still hard. So uh, get to it, <laughs> right? Get her done. Yeah, no the uh, the work is there, and it is good. Yeah. Uh, again, for the glory of God, do yeah. it. Yeah, do do your work mm-hmm. as unto the Lord, and, and the Lord will take your efforts, as feeble as they may appear to you. The Lord will take and multiply your efforts. 
to the to his glory. And then with all that money, raise up a bunch of fat and happy little children in the fear of the Lord. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And don't forget to baptize them yeah. and commune them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So there is much more that could be said. Yes. Much yeah. more. And I'm sure that we'll say much more on it in the future. But that, I think, is in a pretty good... episode 100. Yeah, in episode 100. That, I think, is a pretty good introduction to a, a Christian theology of work. Yes. So, uh, do your work as unto the Lord, and <clears throat> trust Him with the outcome of it. Learn to find uh, joy and delight in the things that God has given you to put your hands to. Uh, Think in terms of God's kingdom, seeking first the kingdom of God, that he will add things to you, he will add what you need to you, uh, love his church, uh, look, to, look to finance the work of God's church. Uh, that's a really, really good aspiration to aspire to. Uh, and a listener of ours, I would commend to you that you find work that glorifies God and that in which you can uh, do your labor as unto the Lord. God is in the midst of building a city. He's in the midst of turning the garden that he created at the start and the wilderness around it into a city that glorifies him. So do what you can to participate in this. This is something that God has given you to do, O oh man, when he gave you the task of guarding and keeping in the garden. He's given you that task, and that task continues, and you should pursue it with all of your heart to the glory of the Lord Jesus. Amen. 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 Amen.